both know those moments when all your worries hit again and eat your time, time. So let's just pretend that it'll work out in the end and turn out fine. My advice is to keep your options open and your mind open to all different things that you could potentially be doing. Um, you know, I think we always think, particularly for paramedics, I think you always think state ambulance service and that's fantastic. Mm. I'll be going and doing that. But there are other aspects of it. You know, you can utilise, even in nursing, your options to go and do humanitarian things. And so I think really be open, be curious, but then to... Um, get comfortable being uncomfortable and just be vulnerable. Give things a go. Ask those questions. Talk to the people you, you know, you think that are, you know, big, big and scary or intimidating. And But just, just give things a go. Like push that ego aside and just learn and just, yeah, you, that's going to be the space in which you'll grow exponentially. Time. Time. Forget this indefinitely not regret your hand in my And so I started the student paramedic podcast and um, that has been the thing that sort of opened up my mind to what is actually out there for um, particularly paramedicine um, because I feel like in nursing there's such diversity. You know that you can go and do overseas nursing. You know you can go into all different areas within healthcare. There's just a lot out there already known. Um, there's lots of people that have already paved the way in which you can talk to them about it. It's pretty accessible information. Um, so I try to do that for paramedicine. And I think coming to the understanding too, of, you know, through this podcast, it's realised like talking to people, there's so much more to learn. Um, and university is the be all and end all. Like you, yeah. you always go through uni like, yes, my graduation date is the end. It is the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm so excited. Like, that's it. There's no more formal learning. But then you get out and you go, oh, my gosh. Mm. Like, university gave me this tiny snippet of something that is massive. And, yeah, I think that's – you can be very beat down by that or you can be really curious about, I want to, you know, be that sponge and just soak all of this up. Welcome to the ED Jam. Hey Frothers, welcome back to the ED Jam podcast. On this episode, I chatted to Alex. Alex is a paramedic and also a nurse and runs the Student Paramedic Podcast. It's an awesome resource out there for anyone who's in the healthcare industry. And I'd really encourage you all to go and have a listen to it. I'll put the episodes uh, in my show notes for this one. Um, Alex is awesome. Alex sat down with me and chatted about her journey through the paramedic degree and the nursing degree and also talked about the options available for people who have just finished university. Um, I really think this episode's awesome, especially as it talks about the new clinician for someone who comes out into the industry and really wants to learn. Um, Alex also talks to us about um, ways in which you can learn better. She also talks about her advice um, from other people that she's chatted to um, with the running of her podcast. I think this episode's great. I think you're going to love it. Um, Alex is really articulate and some, has got some really great points that we're all going to love. Let's crack in. You, um, who are you and what do you do? Let's go. Awesome. Well, um, thanks so much for having me on. This is sick. Um, I'm Alex. I am a recent graduate actually up here in uh, Brizzy 
and um, I did the dual degree in nursing and paramedicine. Um, but when I was in my third year of the degree, I thought, it was particularly when COVID had sort of messed up pretty much most things in particular, um, all the CPD events and, um, you know, you lost that connection of being able to actually go into university, getting that hands-on experience and um, talk to, you know, your lecturers, your mentors, the, the, the sessionals and get that, you know, that firsthand experience. And at the time I was like, oh, you know, how can I really bridge this gap that we're really missing? And, and um, a part of that, I was like, well, a podcast, that sounds all right. And so I started the student paramedic podcast and um, pretty fun. Um, so that's, that's that. And then I've um, worked um, in the uh, pre-hospital, uh, the private medical sector, working as a dual qualified nurse paramedic since I got my registration. Um, and so we do like events and things like that. And then I've done nursing in uh, a private hospital casually just until I started my graduate nursing degree. Um, at, oh, sorry, my graduate nursing program at um, a tertiary hospital in the ED. Um, and then I've actually um, just stopped that and I have decided to take my life overseas to the UK and work as a paramedic um, in Yorkshire for about three years. So wow. I mean, I've, I've done a lot in six months, but I feel like I haven't, um, you know, like I've got a lot more, you know, to offer in the next couple of years. So yeah, there's, that's a little bit about me, I guess. Bro, you've got a lot more to offer. You're doing amazing. Um, and I, I can just tell you've got that sense of drive and motivation to not be happy to sort of go, oh, I'm just going to stay here for five years. You know, you really want to, like you said, the world is your oyster, but you're going around and opening them up and seeing what's in them. And I think that's a really cool quality um, about you. And um, for anyone out there, have a listen to your podcast. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, because there's been some amazing guests on even, I think Aaron from the free radicals was on there. Dan Pronk's been on there. There's some cool stuff and you're smacking the downloads. You're doing amazing. Um, and I reckon it's cool as a human to celebrate other people's successes. I think sometimes we get so focused on ourselves that we're like, Hey, I'm going to do this for me and my podcast. But the best thing I've learned about podcasting is you meet other podcasters and you know what? They're cool people. Like they're fun. Yeah, they're epic and they're just like, you learn something from them and, and they're always happy to teach you things that you, you're not doing on yours. And you're like, oh, I can make mine better by doing this. Um, so I feel stoked that we were able to connect. Um, it's a privilege for me as well. Now, talk to me just quickly. You're, you said you're heading overseas. We're going to come back to what you're doing in Oz in a second. But mm. where are you heading off to? You said Yorkshire in the UK. Um, and what are you doing? And talk to me a bit, bit about that because that sort of fired me up at the moment. There's no travel, has been no travel for ages you're boosting off. What does it mean to be a paramedic over in the UK? Let's just start with that first. Yeah. So I always kind of considered it. So there, I remember back in the day, there was um, always like advertisements on the TV, like QT student para, um, paramedics are becoming London ambulance service paramedics. And you'd always see the ads on TV. And I always thought, oh yeah, that'd be something really like cool to do. But I never really considered it until um, the the process sort of started like to put in an application. I was like, oh, look, I've always been taught or told to put in a large variety of different applications because it's so competitive to get a job. You know, just put you spread it everywhere and see where it'll go and what mm. will land. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do that, and I think it'll be really great. And this opportunity to do it for Yorkshire, which is definitely not London, yeah. um, <laughs> popped up, and I was like. Oh yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. And um, at this stage, um, 
I think uh, the application process sort of started around that end of the your last year. And so I didn't really think about it for a little while and you just continue to go through the processes step by step. And then when they finally actually offered me the job, I was like, oh my goodness, I've already started my my nursing grad. What mm-hmm. do I, how do I make this decision? And so I've always loved travel. Um, just before COVID, I was, you know, going to Papua New Guinea. I was going to yes. Canada. Like I loved doing that sort of stuff. And I'm only 22. So I was like, you know what, travel, um, do a whole new experience. I love paramedicine. I love nursing, but um, I think I won't ever get the same opportunity to be able to live in another country, work and not necessarily have the same responsibilities that I may have in five, 10 years time, which may be relationships, children, if I'm lucky, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, yeah, the opportunity to jump on it now was something that I thought particularly post COVID to just give it a go, um, to kind of get uncomfortable, um, and yeah, just send it. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to me about uncomfortability, like being uncomfortable. I love how you just raised then you getting uncomfortable. What does it mean, Alex, for you to be uncomfortable? Oh man. I mean, it's about vulnerability, right? Like I'm doing something. So I've got, I've had really amazing opportunities here. And if I continue to do what I was doing here, you know, that would be, that would work out really well. And I kind of know what that pathway would look like. Um, So for me then it was like, I'm about to give all that up. Mm. Something that I don't know how to work out. Like for me, all these things are new. I've never lived in like a whole nother country, especially for three years. You look at COVID um, and anything could happen and you could be stuck. You you might not be able to get home. Um, You know, I'm leaving my family I'm leaving my friends like I'm leaving everything that I know here going where I don't know anyone anything or how the world works over there um and to also do a job which you know is going to be new so everything is going to be new and that that takes a bit of um yeah being that like I'm going to be uncomfortable and I know it but it's going to work out and it's going to pay dividends so like I love your analogy to make it saying dividends it is like you put in sometimes and you don't see the fruit and I think uh, maybe this is just me talking but sometimes we want to put in and we want to see results like t- today we want to see results like you know even before today it's like I want to you know I bought this thing online I want it to be at my doorstep now like I'm not waiting like you know why am I waiting you know but like you said dividends it's a waiting process the market goes up and down your emotions go up and down what you experience goes up and down so I love that dividends I'm going to use that that's, that's freaking gold <laughs> um that's super gold I don't know about you legends, but I really related to when Alex was talking about paying dividends. And we can all think about dividends, you know, we, we invest money, uh, maybe in a company, and, and, and we think about ourselves. Do you invest in yourself? Do you invest in yourself for the future? Not just for the immediate reward that we gain now. You know, are you investing for your longevity in the workplace as a paramedic or as a nurse or as a doctor? Are you investing in your future? You know, are you you laying down good healthy patterns so that you can continue to work? Or are you taking opportunities that are out there um, and taking that leap of faith? I think that's really important that we invest in ourselves, in our career, uh, in life, uh, and that we will eventually see, you know, the rewards for our hard work. Eventually, you know, after your exams, eventually down the track, you'll see, you know, that certificate or you'll see yourself work in a different role. Or you may have gone for five jobs and missed it and then suddenly the last one you get. So I just wanted to encourage you, if you have um, been doing this, sometimes dividends take a while. Sometimes things take a while to come to fruition. 
Um, so don't be impatient. Just realize that you're doing a good thing to invest in yourself and in your career. And also um, remind yourself that some things just take a little bit more time than others. You make sacrifices for experience. Um, when you go overseas, you do make sacrifices because you leave people, but you also gain things, which I think you'll gain later, um, which will be epic. Um, now, you run a student paramedic podcast, which is epic. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about your tips as well for, for people that are like students as well um, and doing a dual training program because you did a dual training program, which is epic. Um, and what did it mean? Did you, um, just for people out there, did you, when you got into university, was it a dual trained like um, application that had nursing and paramedicine together? Yeah. So when I went through and, you know, you're in year 12 and you put it in, in your application, um, it is actually a dual degree. So it was, you know, bachelor of paramedicine, bachelor of nursing. Um, and so that's what you apply for and then yep. you get in. And so basically they've mashed um, six years worth of degrees. So two, yep. three year degrees into one, four year degree. So good. That's but so- they've actually gotten rid of that at most universities as of this year. Straight through. Straight through. Yep. Um, and that meant that just, just for people out there, that meant that you were qualified through APRA as a registered nurse from your time. And you also qualified as a paramedic. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm upper registrated for paramedicine and upper registrated for nursing as well. So both. Okay, wow, that's cool. I think that's important to know is that you can you can do you know two different things. Um, and what led you you know like what sort of led you to do that degree? Like, was it the fact that you met somebody that was a paramedic? Is anyone in your family into paramedicine? And for people out there that are thinking about doing paramedics, what would be your advice to them? Yeah, look, my journey into the degree was actually I guess non traditional in the sense that. Um, I wanted to do medicine straight out of school. Like that's, that's what I thought about. I aimed for that. I was trying to get that OP1, um, which uh, they've got ATAR now. So I don't know what the equivalent yeah, is. Yeah, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, like that was the thing that I, I was hell bent on doing. And if I didn't achieve that, I felt like, you know, a failure. So when I didn't get in, I was like, oh, you know, like my backup option, uh, it sounds terrible, backup, but it was nursing and paramedicine because I had, you know, a sister-in-law who was a nurse, um, her sister was a paramedic. I was like, that's cool. Like I really wanted to, if I couldn't get into medicine at the time, I didn't want to do a science. Like I wanted to be actually able to apply what I was learning in a clinical space, being hands-on talking to people. Cause that's what I really like to do. I've always been known as a chatterbox. So I've loved <laughs> having that people uh, connection. And so when I got into the degree, um, you know, I, I've, did the first year, did the second year. It was really growing me and I was really loving it. And then by the third year, I was like, yeah, I'm going to start this podcast. And so for me now, this has become, you know, nursing and paramedicine. This part of the healthcare has been something that I'm really passionate about. And mm. I don't see myself going into medicine, not now at least. It could okay, cool. potentially be something I want to do in five, 10 years time. Depends. But like right now, um, I've seen how much your passion can grow from something Um quite small necessarily. Like I didn't actually think I'd become a nurse or a paramedic and mm. it's become something that I absolutely love and I want to do for the foreseeable future. Like it's yeah. pretty cool. So that's my non-traditional way of getting in. Um, but I've always sort of really liked bringing sort of some calm to a chaos sort of situation. Yeah. Um, and I really liked um, that sort of aspect of paramedicine quite quickly. And then as I learnt throughout nursing you can work in all different areas and so emergency and critical care became sort of the thing that I latched onto. Uh, but similar to you like everything has always been about wanting to help people and mm. I guess that's what most people 
people do want to do when they go into these sort of jobs. And so I've had experiences where I've done um, travel into areas and like volunteering into areas where I'm like, that's like that I definitely want to do. doesn't matter sort of if it's in role of a doctor, a nurse or a paramedic, but it's definitely that's the premise. Mm. I think it's interesting too, like, you know, even like you're, you're aiming towards, you know, medicine uh, and that's a noble thing to aim for. And it's so good that, you know, I think it's important to say to people, like some people say don't have a plan B, you know, like there's people out there that go, you go plan A and that's it. You just, you know, but it's also like, I also think that like in a game of chess, you're strategic. So I, I play you in a game of chess and I go, my move is to move my, my, my knight in, in here. Okay. But then you kind of make a move that throws me off. I've got to be able to adjust. So I think it's important to realize that in life, we have to adjust our plans and that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, it's, it, that's not a bad thing. Sometimes the weather changes and we've got to change the way we exercise or the way we ride or the, what we do. Um, and sometimes we come back from our patients and we think we've got something and then it's different. So we have to adjust as, as healthcare clinicians. I think that's important. Was anyone in your family um, focused on doing medicine? Like, had done medicine or is it just your drive? No, um, my family. So like my parents at the time, they both never went to university and my mum actually did university. She went back to her master's like when I was going through high school yeah. um, and none of them are in healthcare. Like none of my extended family are in healthcare at all. And um, my brother and I are actually the only ones in our immediate family that are. Um, he's a physio. So, but realistically, no, there was no other medical. Yep. Or, um, yeah, anyone in the family that had that drive and I just thought it would be something that I'd really love Um, and I really love sort of being able to problem solve. Mm. Um, Pardon me, take all the um, sort of the pieces of the puzzle and try and put them together to come up with something that is actually happening. But I love being able to put that into practice and actually connect with people because, I don't know, I feel like that's – um, sort of the legacy I want to leave in life is, you know, that, that lasting impact on people. Mm, that's good. Um, when you're talking about being dual trained, so you're a paramedic and nurse, did you ever cop any flack from either nurses or paramedics um, about being dual trained? I know like, I was just interested to know, like, did you ever someone go, oh, you know, try to knock you down for doing both? I'm just interested to. Not really. No. Cool. Um, when, like particularly for the critical care placements I did for nursing, for example, like ICU placements, having the paramedicine, we learned how to interpret ECGs, for example. We understood, you know, um, quite a lot of the different medications because we were to give that, you know, quite autonomously on road on your placements. And I feel like having so that because we get taught sort of more the – uh, come up with a provisional diagnosis, diagnosis, a working diagnosis, not an actual diagnosis when you're in that sort of – environment in pre-hospital and so that really helped with the nursing because like I was able to understand like what do these obs mean for this patient and how can I see if they're deteriorating or they really worked hand in hand and I think nurses like recognize that I haven't actually had anyone be like oh you're a paramedic too you know like yeah that's good that's good I don't think anyone's ever said that Um, a lot of paramedics I've talked to are either working for you know New South Wales ambulance or working for you know other ambulance services but you've done something a little bit different talk to me about what you've done now in relation to um, being a paramedic? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the things I learned from running the podcast was that there are many different avenues you can take with paramedicine and particularly with upper registration that occurred at the end of 2018. Um, it opened up a whole new world of, in which, you know, registration then made things a bit easier to work as a registered paramedic across different domains. 
And one of those is working in the private sector. Um, so I was working in the private sector as a student paramedic. I was working as a first responder or a basic life support officer. Um, and then I moved into, as soon as I got my registration, I did the credentialing and I became um, a registered paramedic, registered nurse, dual trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically able to utilise both um, scopes of practice. Um, so, the you know, mainly that pre-hospital critical care thinking of like what's happening to a patient um, in that emergency medicine medicine setting. And then the nursing scope, which was more so like, a larger scope of drugs that we could carry, et cetera. And then being able to utilize that at events. So events where you're working by yourself. So for example, could be anything from school sport all the way through to um, the drag races where they're, you know, racing at over 500 kilometers per hour or, um, or, you know, motocross, you know, big trauma can happen. And it has happened um, working stadiums and everything like that. So, taking sort of that pre-hospital idea of not working in an ambulance but doing it in different environments, more mm. like austere environments. We particularly worked, we volunteered, and then we worked um, in the New South, northern New South Wales floods. Wow, um, okay. Yeah, which was really interesting. It was a different type of um, care, and that utilised more the nursing side of my scope yep. for primary health care rather than the emergency medicine care. Um, so, yeah, like having both – um, in that role has been absolutely beneficial and it's different, but, um, being able, you do the same assessments, um, you're able to give the drugs when it's say, for example, if I've had, um, someone who's had, um, ACS sort of type chest pain running through the exact same protocols as I would, if I was on the road as a paramedic and being able to give the same drugs, et cetera. Um, so yeah, that, like that, that is that role. Um, whilst you may not get the same, amount of cases in a day um, yep. as you would on the road um, you get when something does happen it happens um, yeah. you know that person that collides at the wall at 300 kilometers an hour yep that like you've got to be on for that so yeah that that was kind of the role I took there until um, I started working full-time in the ED on my grad program yep. and then um, it's still something that I did it's like a casual job it's something that I did as like more of a contractor yeah and keeping yourself keeping your foot in the door is always helpful hey like if you do you know dabble in something else it's important to just always keep that tickling along um, so that you can always and you never get bored I think that's the key is like I don't know about you, you don't strike me as someone ever being bored um, but you know like you never get bored when you're doing something that you love um, what would you say to people that maybe they're nurses and maybe they want to do param- they want to become a paramedic and they're like, oh, hey, um, it sounds so interesting to be dual trained. Should I do it? Should I go and venture and, you know, go back to uni or, you know, do other studies to become a paramedic? What would you say to them? I think if you're doing it for the right reasons, absolutely. So like you said, you could, if it's something that you think you'll love, then absolutely. Like, I mean, if you're only doing it, say, for um, job security, which is a lot, why a lot of people then go into the dual degree, then I think, you know, maybe reconsider like in terms of, um, you know, find out what is it like if, if it's something that you want to do, like, for example, if you've been in nursing for a long time and you really like that aspect of um, thinking on your feet and, you know, doing emergency medicine, whatever it may be, and you go, okay, I want to be a paramedic, like one research the role, what is it? How does it work? Um, I think because there is a lot to the job, like being a first responder increases your risks of things like suicidal ideation, um, poor health, everything. Um, And we didn't know that when we started the degree. 
And so I think knowing those types of things, knowing why you want to do it, researching, talking to paramedics, um, understanding what the role entails, like absolutely, if it's something you want to do, yeah, go absolutely and try it. Um, I think it's fantastic. Who, who told you that sort of stuff? Like, like, you know, you said like, is it from your podcasting that you've talked to other clinicians about the increased risk of suicide, the increased risk of PTSD, the increased risk of mental health from what they've seen? Absolutely. Yeah. So there are statistics out there and um, I was curious. I was like, why doesn't this get talked about? Um, equally, you know, you go on road and, you know, when I was freshly 18, like I was seeing dead people like on my first ever placement, like that would, that, that was the thing. And it was in traumatic situations because they're not in the confines of the hospital bed in the sense that, you know, it's kind of, it feels a bit sterile. You're actually in their environment and you're around the chaotic sort of scene that that is the emotive scene. And so you never really get taught that and you never get taught sort of how to um, build your resilience, et cetera, to be able to deal with that. And so part of the reason why I started the podcast, one of the points was how to maintain, long, how to maintain longevity in the job. Well and so like talking to psychologists, talking to people who've been in the job forever and so having that um, has come through the podcast and it is getting talked a bit more about now um, because I think people are, it's less stigmatized, mental health is less stigmatized, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's such an important part of it. Um, and I think if you understand that, you can then do something about it. You can be proactive in that way. Um, and so there are so many resources out there. You just got to be able to be recognized that that is a thing that could happen and that can happen in nursing as well. Absolutely. Yep. Um, but recognizing that's a thing that could happen. What's my risk? How can I sort of prevent that from happening? And what are some measures in place that if something is happening, I can, I can deal with it and I can sort it out. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. You just raised there, Alex about uh, for us in the hospital setting, we, we don't see, you know, the, photo frames on the wall or you know we don't see and I've had some I've looked after you know some high profile people before that have you know not done well and then someone said oh they're actually a professional sportsman in this and everyone's like oh as if and then no you look them up and they actually are a prof you know and you know do you get what I mean like they've walked into the house and seen memorabilia or something or walking into a house and thinking gee that looks like my house and looks like my bedroom or mm. or that you know that's their son who's the same age as me or um, and I think that's important, the screaming or the wailing or the fighting or this, you know, all those sort of things, or even the scene itself. Um, you know, I've, you know, I have friends that are paramedics who tell me stories in, in um, confidence about, you know, struggles that they have, you know, with flashbacks related to scenes they've been to. And some of them haven't gone back to work um, because of the stress and the weight that they carry. Um, and it's important to understand that the clinicians carry that weight. Um, and that we can do something about it, but it still doesn't stop what they've seen. Does that make sense? It doesn't erase, it doesn't erase it and say, oh, you've seen the psych, therefore, bang, you didn't see that kid who was stuck under the car. Sorry, it did happen. You did see a kid under the car. Um, and that's something that has to be addressed. And like you said, it's well and good to start a race and to run it, but you've got to finish it. Um, and it's about the hard times when things get hard and about doing it for the next 20 or 30 years is important uh, i think that's important what you raise even being young you can be young and vibrant but like you said you've got to have those strategies at 22 not at 40 when you when you haven't employed them when you're 20 
Mm. And I think that was an important part of being like, I didn't know that I was 17 when I started the degree yeah. and I, I didn't know that that was a thing. And I'm like, if I had, I don't know how I would have reacted five years ago, but um, you know, maybe having that understanding of that, then I don't know, may it, have cha- it may have changed the career course. I don't know. Um, mm. Like I, I haven't actually, um, I've been lucky in the sense of I've been able to go to cases and they've been relatively, um, I guess say that there's traumatic ones, but not like ones that have been like, I have flashbacks, et cetera. Um, I know people who went on their very first placement and saw the most horrific things that even I think that'd be horrific um, mm. to think about in sort of, and not be there. Like, so there's so many different aspects and um, but yeah, that's an important part of, of understanding. But yeah, once you I think they say, um, I can't remember what the actual like sort of, quote is but like once you know something once you once you know something you're obliged then to to then do something about it and and for that part you know to remain less you know ignorant or naive around it um because now knowing that I'm gonna be like I I've you know talked to so many people I've worked on my own resilience you know talking to people who are who have been 20 years in the job 30 years in the job and they're talking about how they go see psychologists regularly as a way to just check in like nothing has to be wrong, but they just check in. And I think having people around you that are like that now that are able to openly talk about these things is so important. Yeah. And I I put up a a video recently. I said, um, Oh, no one talks about mistakes. That was my, my quote. And it was funny how I even got a very senior clinician said, this is not the forum to talk about this. And I sort of said, I, I sort of went back and sort of said, Yes and no. I agree with you that I'm not going to share patient details on the internet, um, but I don't think it's, I think it's okay to talk about cases with each other. And maybe this isn't for him. Maybe the issue is that you're trying to hide that mistakes don't happen and that we're meant to be this hundred percent strike rate clinician that hits, oh, every, hits every ball. Mistakes happen all day, every day. Like, and they, and they don't have to be these big, nasty, you know, killed a patient type mistake. They ah. can just be tiny little mistakes where you're like, oh, I've got to put that in my paperwork. I, yeah. that's important. I need to do it. Or, oh, I accidentally put the leads on the ECG incorrectly, you know, yeah. like simple stuff yep. still counts as a mistake. Correct. But the more you talk about it, the, the more power you give to other people to recognize that, you know, you're not super, you know, you're not superwoman, you're not superman. Like yeah. it, it happens. And if you, I, I remember actually my grad program, there was this one nurse I was working with. She was amazing. And she recognized the mistake immediately. And it was um, a drug error. And she was like, no, nah, I'm putting, I'm letting the doctor know, letting the patient know, I'm putting it into the reporting system. Yep. I think it was like, I think for example, it was like paracetamol was given like five, 10 minutes early, but it was just like, she goes, I know I may seem like I'm being really um, pedantic about it, but I thought as a grad, that was such like one of those moments that I've now remembered forever. And I was like, that is, that is amazing. Like I want to have your accountability. Yep. And uh, like you said before, owning up to those mistakes early in your career mean that when you get in the job for 20 years and you get a little bit harder because the job will make you harder that you can still have that sense of like openness and, and a sense of going, Oh, Hey, I, I made an error. Um, I, I get this sense that you're kind of changing culture, Alex uh, could be wrong, but I do think that in, and I'm a bit older than you, but in the, the younger generation too, we're talking more about how we feel, what we see, what we know. Um, and talk to me about that. Like um, I know you might not think that you're changing culture, but I sort of feel like you are 
because they're things that aren't talked about as suddenly we're becoming more maybe confident or more aware or more knowledgeable on situations like, um, you know, trauma or, you know, what we're going through. Yeah. So that's cool. I never thought of it like that in terms of changing a culture, but um, I think more so the culture that I guess, I, I guess I'm thinking about it now is more about sort of pursuing this, this excellence for yourself. Mm. And when I say excellence, I don't mean like some people think about super uber successful people, um, and, and it's not like, yeah. it's just about having a standard for yourself and realistically being accountable, being curious, wanting to learn more and taking ego aside from it and doing it so that one, you can, um, improve the lives of other people, AKA patient safety. When you learn more, you're able to apply that learning more for yourself. So AKA not being that naive, you know, 17 year old that didn't know that all of these things, you know, can occur and will occur over mm. your lifetime and in whatever career you're going to take paramedics in nursing, whatever, and recognizing, okay, now I've got accountability. I have to be accountable, sorry, to, to um, proactively take measures to, to fix that or like prevent that. Um, mm. And so there are all these different aspects of it, um, I guess. And I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but yeah. when I mean, what I mean realistically at the end of the day is to um, like, in terms of a culture change, I never thought of it like that, but it was more of a way to um, provide sort of information um, that would help other people in their journeys to become better paramedics, better people. Yeah, no, no, I feel you. I think you're right. Hey, like it's when, when you can be authentically yourself in your, in your like, domain so what i mean by that is be be yourself in your domain operate the same way you get a different paramedic that you're working with on the day you're not different you're not alex number five you're alex the same person that you were yesterday and that's just what you do um you you do talk about your issues you do talk about a job you do debrief in the car you do say oh that was hard i didn't really expect the mum to come out screaming i sort of thought that maybe she would be inside you know i'm, I'm just just verbally talking a bit of diary here but then the other person can go, oh, maybe they're going to open up and talk about the job as well. You're not doing it because you want them to open up. You're doing it because that's how you do it. Do, do you feel me? Like you're doing it. That's the way that you authentically do it as a person. And I think that's important. Um, if you do what you love and you do it authentically as yourself, other people will follow. You, you can get the energy of people, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when people are authentically trying to be themselves or if they're trying to do it just for an, another reason. So I think that's really helpful. And I think that for me is a culture change um, from what, you know, has previously been done in the industry from my observations as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a major part of figuring out whether or not I give up everything here and go to the UK. Like that was mm. my main thing. And I um, did a lot of personal development and I was, um, I used the Mojo Crow app cause I thought it was, it was great, but um, I had to write a purpose statement. And in my purpose statement, it said, um, you know, I need to be, um, authentically like myself, I need to act authentically in order to be able to impact other people mm. because you can't role models. Like, for example, if you tell someone to do something, they're not going to do it. No. But if they see you doing something, they're most likely going to do it. And I'm like, well, I want to be as authentic as I can be to what I, you know, what my values are and what I want to do. And hopefully then 
that'll inspire other people then to take that same or a journey that is authentic to them. Yeah, that's really good. And I think you, I think we downplay, I think, you know, being a paramedic as well as a nurse, you've got so much to give. Um, But I also feel like you have so much to give, not only for the patient, but also the person that you're working with. Um, And I think that you could spend more time with that other colleague than you would with your family sometimes. Um, And that can rub off on you. Does that make sense? Um, So not only we call about transference, but you can have transference from the person you work with, whether it's a negative vibe or a positive vibe. Um, And I think that's really important because they can talk about their stories and then you, you didn't even deal with the trauma, but they're talking about their trauma. So I think what you said was really good. Like if you are dealing with your issues as they go, means that you can sort of, you know, you're enjoying moments, but you're also making sure that you're looking after yourself for the long term, like the dividends, like you said before, you're not just going in for it for the, you know, stock change that day of the 5% increase. You're going for like in 30 years, I will sleep, still sleep good. I'll still exercise. I'll still eat good. I'll still be um, interested in, you know, patients and what their journey is. Uh, I think that's key. Hey, like you said, you want to be invested in your patient. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, you see it a lot. I've seen it a lot over my time in different placements and things like that. You see the people that are quite jaded and um, I guess over it, (laughs) but, um, and that's happened in, you know, all the different, both professions, like um, you see it everywhere. And I don't think, I think the pandemic's probably played that, you know, up a bit more. Mm. Um, But I think coming to the understanding too of, you know, through this podcast, it's realized like talking to people, there's so much more to learn um and university is the be all and end all like you you always go through uni like yes my graduation date is the end it is the light at the end of the tunnel I'm so excited like that's it there's no more formal learning but then you get out and you go oh my gosh Mm. like university gave me this tiny snippet of something that is massive and yeah I think that's you can be very beat down by that or you can be really curious about I want to you know be that sponge and just soak all of this up and yeah you know, try and find it all out and um yeah just trying to go back to having that why of like why am I doing this I'm curious etc and then being able to be like okay well hopefully <laughs> doing all these good things I won't become that jaded paramedic that hates my job at the end of the day or that jaded nurse that hates my job at the end of the day yeah um, it comes back to what you said you know you got to do something you enjoy every single day yeah, and, and I think if you're not if you're not like um happy with that, then make the decision to stop talking about it and doing it. The ge- you have a generation that talks a lot, <coughs> but I mean that loves to sort of, yeah, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. It's like, we'll go do it. Like stop talking. And and that was the same with me. This podcast I was like, I kept talking about wanting to do it for like three years, but never really, I was so scared of failing, I never had the guts to sort of give it a go. You know, what if no one listens to it? What if I get one download? And then I started to like let that go and go. I don't care one or a hundred or whatever. It's about me um, presenting information for people to learn because that one download could be mean one clinician listens, could mean one patient gets better care and I'm happy with that. Or one patient goes, wow, I really resonate with Alex about being authentic or resonate with Alex about knowing that if I go into paramedicine, I'm going to have to deal with trauma and stress, you know, and things that may need me to work on before I go do the degree. They're not just jump into the degree and go, oh, it's going to be sweet. And then they've had underlying trauma that they might need to have dealt with before they jump into it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally resonate with that. And, and what you said there too, about, you know, you, 
kind of had that thought of what other people thought. Mm. And um, there, I think there was a post from um, Dr. Dan Pronk, who we obviously both love talking to. Love Dan. Um, <laughs> but he, in his post, he said, you got to push ego aside when it comes to learning. Like I think the quote from Eckel Tollhart was like, um, ego and learning or something cannot coexist. Mm. And um, that's so important, right? Because like, like you said there, you know, you thought about, you know, what happens if I only get one listen? What happens if I only get, you know, even if I get a hundred or someone doesn't like it, like at the end of the day, like, you know, I found for myself, even if no one likes it, I'm learning something. Yeah, Cool. I love it. Yep. And I like it. Like I like listening to, to you talk and I go, I learned something out of it and I'll, I've written notes here. Like I, you know, that I'll, that I'll take on board. You know what I mean? Like mm. I don't care if it's not for you guys, it's for me too. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm cool with that. Like, and, and being confident with that. I'm cool with the, that we got to chat and it's motivated me to look at something that I didn't think of before I started this episode. Um, and I don't always have to telegraph that to everybody because some learning just, some things are just for you. Mm. You know, some things when you're learning are just for you. Like you'll, you'll get an experience or a learning thing and you go, I mean, I had one the other day, I had a 38 year old with um, metastatic cancer and she said something to me, you know, that I don't have to share, but it was just the way she said it made me realize she's resilient. She's strong, but also she's, content with where she's at even though it's horrible she'd said something to me that just made me think oh man I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lucky guy I'm blessed um and just the way she said thank you the way you know just those sort of things I was just like you know that's why I do my job you know um Absolutely. yeah and I think you have those interactions with patients that make you fire up and what you've got to do is celebrate those and say I really had an awesome interaction this is what happened why did I enjoy it um, was it for me? Was it for her? What did I get out of it? I think that's really important to reflect. We, we always look at the bad things sometimes as clinicians and go back and go, oh, you know, like you can go, oh, why did I miss that cannula? I should have just waited till whenever that bump or, you know, you get down on yourself because we expect a lot for ourselves because we're high achievers, but it's also about celebrating the successes because that's when you realize, hang on, I did good there. Like I actually did okay, <laughs> you know? Literally. And I think too, like, um, I don't know about you, but like, uh, this is always the quote that goes out like the person will never remember what you did to them they always remember how you made them feel mm. and I think if that's what drives you at the end of the day in your healthcare, whether you're a nurse a paramedic a doctor then yeah like we are going to make mistakes you're going to miss that cannula mm. like for me I've missed I, you know you cannula it's beautiful you forget to open the bung and then you're like damn it like <laughs> you know you just say oh and you beat yourself up the patient yeah. doesn't know I don't think no 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 but like I've had experiences where um, I've treated a patient on a paramedic placement as a student. We've taken them to the hospital, whatever, it was middle of the night, never thought about it again. And then I go to my regular coffee shop and then the person pops up and they're like, and they're staring at me. I'm like, why are they staring at me? Yeah. You treated me. And I'm like, oh no, like is she, and you know, like you just get those experiences where then the patient will talk to you that you had, you know, you treated ages ago. Yeah. And they, they say something like, oh, you know, you, you know, you made me feel a-okay. Like, you know, made me feel less stressed or whatever it was. And that's the thing that lasts. And I think if mm. for me personally, it's more about, you know, I could become, you know, a critical care nurse or I could become a critical care paramedic, whatever it may be, that could be the title. But as long as I'm at the end of the day, making an impact on that patient, mm. making them less stressed, bringing some calm to their chaotic day, because no one wants to be in hospital. No one wants to call an ambulance. Like, as long as you're giving them an experience that changes their, you know, their hospital stay, their journey in the way that's positive, that's all that matters to me, really. Yeah, that's really powerful, Alex. 
Um, mm, so it just makes me think about that because I think sometimes we think we've got to be a certain way or, or present ourselves a certain way. But I think when you're authentically you, it, it doesn't matter what you do, like an accountant, but you do it to the best of your ability, a paramedic. And I think more people should be in industries where they're authentically themselves because it just, it changes the dynamic like of who people are and what they can provide. Everyone brings something to the job. And I think, like you said, as a paramedic or a nurse, you bring something to the table. And the, the, the more you know that, the more you can actually let go of the fear of failing, let go of the fear of what other people think of you, get, get over the fear of asking a question. Uh, and I get worried about people that don't ask questions. It, it concerns me as a clinician. If I've got a non-question asker, generally, uh, if they junior, not being rude in terms of just like just finish their training, I get concerned because I'm like, why don't you want to know any answers? Like, I'm not saying I'm the one to ask questions. Ask your patient, ask the nurse you're working with. Don't ask me. You can if you want to, but you know, or even ask yourself a question. Literally. As long as you're asking a question, that's, they're the people that I, I resonate with, you know. For sure. And I think that, um, you know, in even having that um, thought about, you know, wanting to make that impact on the patient, generally that, that'll then coincide with you wanting to be the best you can be. So that'll make you want to answer, ask the questions, learn more, mm. you know, fine tune your skills things that you know they are important at the end of the day um and everything like that so you know having that as your focus patient safety patient care you know for me it's making that lasting impact that positive lasting impact it makes me then want to improve my knowledge and my skills and so I feel like it's kind of like this continuous like relationship between those two things um that pushes you to want to want to be better. And part of that comes to looking after you as well. Like, like I said, yeah. you know, you can't have, you could be the, you know, the best ever nurse, best ever paramedic. Something happens and, you know, it really could derail your mental health. And then, then from there, like all that other stuff kind of now no longer matters and you need to look after you. So mm. yeah, it's kind of like this massive balancing act and they all play in together. I feel um yeah because we used to become very like you need to be good at this skill um yes. and there's lots more to it which is which is the art of medicine right it's not just yeah the no it is too it's like you have the knowledge and then you have to you have to put that knowledge into action by providing a service to the patient um but then sometimes that can get in the way other things can get in the way collateral things that can really impact on your ability to do your skill like we had a, you know, even the other day we had a, a kid, we had to just put glue, glue a kid's head who had, was developmentally delayed. And the art of doing it wasn't in the gluing. It was in the 10 minutes that I had built the rapport with the kid to do it. Like, and even teaching um the one of the nurses, I was like, honestly, it's not going to be in your gluing. You know how to glue. She was a bit nervous. I said, it's in your rapport with him. Let's just do 10 minutes of rapport with the kid. Cause he's, we don't want him in ED for four hours with this little tiny lack that could just be glued it's just we've got to spend time with him and we did played with him he was laughing he interacted he had sensory issues we got it done dad was so grateful um the kid had a great experience in terms of like what it could have been and what it was um but like you said it, that was the art the art was just a bit of time so yeah um alex for anyone out there um you know that um you know you said about you know with education and you're, you're fired up with that sort of stuff you're also fired up um, in terms of your journey um, in paramedics, what would be your advice? Um, and also, where do you see yourself going with um, your paramedic podcast for people out there that are going to listen? They're going to listen, okay? And there's going to be... <laughs> I, was, I, 
I'll start off with the podcast. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, I've got um, all these awesome people. So like, I, I'd like to say I have a path for it. And I used to yep. have like scheduled, you know, I want by this time, I want to have all these types of people on these topics covered. But now as I go, I feel like because I am learning on the go and learning in the job all the time, and I realize that there are aspects that need to be covered that I never thought of before. Mm. I mean, and you meet people along the way. So, I mean, there is no necessarily um, structure, I guess, to what the future of it will look like. Um, but I'm hoping that it still continues to bring light to things that aren't necessarily just clinical stuff, like, yeah. just, you know, all the other aspects of the job, um, you know, the, the, all the different different sides of it that make an impact on on your own journey and mm. and how you can impact others. Um, probably it will go into a little bit about the UK side of things for a little yeah. bit there because um obviously having that experience will be beneficial to bringing people from different parts of the world into it and um, help other people realize what other places do. So that's the podcast. Um, you know it has potentially the option to do things like webinars and, and all of that sort of stuff with, with the absolutely amazing people that have come on like yourself. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different options. Um, so that's the podcast. <laughs> um, what, so you want advice for yeah, students? Or- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for anyone else that just like, what would be your final words in terms of, um, you know, doing the dual training and also just, yeah, your advice for people that are coming out as paramedics. My advice is to keep your options open and your mind open to all different things that you could potentially be doing. Um, you know, I think we always think, particularly for paramedics, I think you always think state ambulance service and that's fantastic. Mm. I'll be going and doing that, but there are other aspects of it. You know, you can utilize even in nursing your options to go and do humanitarian things. And so I think really be open, be curious, mm. but then to, um, get comfortable being uncomfortable and just be vulnerable. Give things a go, ask those questions, talk to the people you, you know, you think that are, you know, big, big and scary or intimidating and, but just, just give things a go, like push that ego aside and just learn and just, yeah, that's going to be the space in which you'll grow exponentially. Love it, dude. It's awesome. Um, for people that want to find you, they can go to Instagram. What do they look up to find you got to find yourself? Yeah, so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, anything, Student Paramedic Podcast. Um, yeah, you can look at the podcast is on any platform. So feel free to look up there, wherever. Awesome. And I always say to people, send like send you a message. Like I think some people get so scared. They listen to a podcast. They get scared that they're actually interacting with the host of the podcast. But that's how you actually, I've had my best conversations with people that have just sent a DM and said, hey, um, I had to listen. I really love this part. Can you tell me more? Um, and I always found those connections are super awesome and they're people that I still talk to now. So, um, reach out. Absolutely. I mean, I had a person like when I first started the podcast message, the, um, message me. And then now we actually work together and we've become really great friends and like, we learn so much from each other. So, I mean, you just never know, like, yeah, that's the fun part. And feedback too. I always get like feedback, like, Hey, can you include this or include that? And I love that sort of stuff. Like I take that on board and go, Oh, cool. That'd be awesome. I put it on my list of my board of things I want to get done. So I love feedback. So yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Um, You're a legend and I can't wait to see your journey to the UK and what you're going to achieve. Um, And we're going to stay in contact for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks Alex. And that's a wrap for another episode of the EDGM podcast. I don't know about you guys, 
but I found that absolutely phenomenal. Um, Alex, running her own podcast, which is absolutely booming at the moment. She's 22. Not only is she a nurse, she's a paramedic, uh, and she's heading over to the UK to become a paramedic and just to go on an adventure for another three years. Um, I also was so... I guess I was a bit dumbfounded just by her um, maturity in relation to, you know, even looking into paramedicine and looking into, you know, um, the effects of um, the job and how it can affect you in different ways. Um, also, you know, wanting to share her experience with people and, you know, the things she said about, you know, not letting your ego get in the way of learning and all those really awesome little quotes. I've got about 10 of those quotes written down after our chat uh, and I thought our talk and conversation was epic. Uh, and I think any clinician could take something out of it, um, especially in relation to just, you know, being young and being, you know, fresh and vibrant, but also being wise and realizing that it's so important to be yourself. And so I guess my question to everyone who's listening is, are you yourself? Um, when you're working in your field, are you being truly you? Because um, when you're truly being yourself, I think you can really, you know, help other people on their journey. Uh, when you're truly yourself, you can be known. Uh, and not just a name, but be known. And it's important that my name's not just Benny, but I'm somebody who people would want to talk to, if that makes sense, and I, and I can be myself. Um, you know, and I think it's important when you've got people around you that can that know you well enough that can call you out when you're not being truly you. Um, I thought it was a great episode. I've got many more episodes coming up. Also, make sure you check out the Student Paramedic Podcast. And also... Maybe this fired you up to go traveling and um, be a paramedic or nurse overseas. So hit it up, get moving, uh, try something different, uh, apply for that job you wanted to apply for that you never have, uh, take that leap of faith to put down your application form um, and give things a go. Have a try. You send it. Hey legends, I hope you loved the episode um, as much as I did. Once again, you can follow me um, on Instagram at edgm underscore podcast. You can also um, listen to the podcast on all your streaming services. I want to say thank you to everyone who does listen. Also, I want to let you know that I've got some awesome episodes coming up. I'm chatting to an, a dual-trained ED doctor. We're talking about febrile neonates. Um, it's going to be awesome. Some awesome learning points for everyone out there. Also, I'm chatting to um, an ED nurse in relation to the MTP, Massive Transfusion Protocol, uh, in relation to especially trauma. Um, and that's going to be awesome, talking about um, blood products, how we use them in our emergency departments and pre-hospital care. And I'll also be chatting to Cliff Reed about hypotension. He's an amazing emergency physician. Um, and you would have heard his name on heaps of different podcasts. So can't wait to have Cliff on the podcast too. You. The EDGM podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners on the land on which this recording is occurring today, the Darawal people, and pay my respects to the elders past, present, and emerging.